We will kick off today's episode with our guest speaker pitching why you should listen to our podcast and follow our journey. Let's get started, folks. You know, SIU is one of these schools that, you know, you don't really come across too often, right? We've, we've got the size of a very small school, but we have the resources of a much larger one due to our, you know, past endowment and, you know, our past size. Um, so we're in a very unique position to offer students innovation um, on a level that's not really seen in any other campus. You know, I've had friends that go to Notre Dame, I've had friends that go to U of I, and on these campuses, these big, you know, sort of RSO type projects have already been around for 10 or 15 years, right? So there's not a whole lot of wiggle room to start your own thing. Um, but I think that's the beauty of SIU, and that's why I encourage, if you're considering SIU, to go to SIU. If you're already there, um, we'll talk about it a bit later, but reach out to me if you want to get anything started. You know, we've got connections, Nelson's got connections, and um, yeah, we'll get you guys going. Welcome to an episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Earth team of Southern Illinois University Carbondale. We are a cross-university team of young, innovative minds positively impacting the landscape of SIU Carbondale through promoting and installing clean energy. Here, we are highlighting our team's activities and impact through our members, sponsors, and supporters, as well as discussing a new, interesting topic. So buckle up because we are driving to a more sustainable future. Today, we're here with Adam Vogel, an alumni of SIE Carbondale. How are you doing today, Adam? I'm doing fantastic, Nelson. It's good to see you, my man. Um, yeah, we're out here in Washington, D.C. right now. So, you know, coming to you live from the nation's capital. Yes, this is our first live in-person interview with... Yes, very good. Glad, yes. glad we can do this. <laughs> Awesome. So to kick it off, Adam, do you want to tell the audience a bit about who you are, how we met, and how you became the person you are today? Yeah, for sure. So I, you know, grew up, you know, I was always taking stuff apart. So, you know, engineering was sort of like a natural conclusion. And, you know, from that, I started at SIU as a civil engineer. Didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, but, you know, as I was going through my freshman and sophomore year, uh, I kept hearing about my buddy who went to Notre Dame. He uh, would, you know, would relentlessly talk about how cool this rocket team was that they had. You know, he was talking about how they were making their own rocket fuel. He was talking about, you know, how they're meeting all these NASA people in these competitions and stuff. I just kept getting more and more jealous. So um, at some point in my sophomore year, I went up to um, Dr. Garvey, who at the time was the vice chancellor for research. He's now in the, the fisheries department. And I, you know, sat down with him in a meeting that went a lot shorter than I thought it was going to. Um, you know, normally when, when you go into these things, you, you, I was thinking it was going to be, you know, you know, a couple hours long pitch of me, you know, giving this, this crazy spiel to him about why he should, you know, trust me as a civil engineer to build some rockets. Um, but it ended up being a pretty natural conversation. Um, we ended up talking for about 15 minutes and I left the room with $1,000 to get started building rockets. Um, from there, we started the Rocketeers of Southern Illinois, uh, an interdisciplinary team, much like the Green Roof. Uh, but our focus is on uh, amateur rocketry and all the aspects of that. Um, and it was a really interesting space to be in because we didn't really have we we did not have a single professor at SIU with any sort of aerospace background. So you know everything we knew about aerospace, everything we were learning about aerospace, we were doing and teaching ourselves. Um, so in that regard, I, I understand how you know how scrappy you need to be in these sort of, you know, small startup ventures. From there, you know, I switched to mechanical engineering at the beginning of my junior year, graduated in 2020, middle of the pandemic, 
and was somehow lucky enough to find a job out in Washington, D.C. Um, through some connections I had, I, I heard about this, this small startup company that was building satellites, and now I work at a satellite telecommunications company launching uh, satellites into low Earth orbit. That's incredible, Adam. I actually didn't know you began off as a civil engineer major. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, so originally what I wanted to do was uh, acoustic design. So I wanted to design like, you know, big buildings, like stadiums, churches, and everything that had, that sounded very nice. Um, I, was, I was interested in the, in the idea of sound. Um, I thought civil would be a good way to do that, but obviously my interests now more lie in the, uh, the aerospace realm, so. Have you ever looked into the Seattle Seahawks stadium and how the acoustics work in there? Right, yeah, that is, that's an insane, uh, insane building. The 12th man, they call it, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so... As you developed and moved from civil to mechanical, what was something that interested you about the rocket and aerospace? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think, you know, fundamentally it's a pretty cool idea um, because, you know, it makes a lot of fire, it goes very fast, and uh, it's pretty easy to strap a camera to, right? So on the fundamental level, you know, it's easy for people to get excited about it. It's very visible, it's very loud, and you can't really miss it happening, right? Um, so, you know, there's a lot to get excited about, but that, you know, that payoff is such a short amount of time compared to the amount of time you have to spend building the rocket to testing everything, to running calculations on how high you're going to get, how fast you're going to go and all this, making sure everything's going to be suitable. Um, but you know, I, I think, yeah, one of the most interesting things to me fundamentally was just the fact that I was able to, you know, with a less than a thousand dollar budget, create something that could launch. 18,000 feet into the sky, so, yeah. 18,000? Yep. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Pretty high up. Yes, amateur rockets get, get up there, man. So with the project, you get to think about not only the mechanical side of how it's getting up there, but I'm sure if there's a control side, the electrical side. Yep. Yeah, so, and that was something that I had not really anticipated going into it. Um, you know, I, I don't really know what I what I thought I was getting myself into, but I certainly did not think I'd be working on, you know, PCB-level design and all of this stuff and working with altimeters, with barometers, and all these little electrical components that I had never heard of and didn't have any experience working with. Um, we do all of our tracking with RF, so, you know, learning a lot about radio frequency and, you know, how GPS communicates to the satellites and how the satellites communicate back and, and all of this. Was, it was a very interesting area for me. Um, and just sort of, you know, discovering for myself how interdisciplinary everything really is. Because that, that was my first big engineering project, right? Everything leading up to that point was just me finding, you know, like a microwave on the side of the road and taking up the transformer and making like an arc welder or something. You know, things that I was very e like easily able to do on my own. But this was, you know, for the first time I had started something that I couldn't do on my own entirely. So it, it was neat in that regard because I knew I had to assemble a team. Um, and that was a very formative moment for me in my leadership career. Most definitely, being able to build a team and have support from campus is important, and you're able to do both. Right, yeah. SIU is, is a fantastic place for, uh, for innovation like this. Um, you know, I like to tell people we have all the resources of a large school, but the size and the student population of a much smaller school. Um, so, you know, like I said, it was easy for me to just, you know, walk into a room, sit down with a professor who, you know, at first I thought was just going to berate me for being an idiot, for, you know, wanting to start this rocket team. But, 
you know, was very understanding and very excited to see, you know, students take charge in this way. Um, so, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a prospective student thinking about coming to SIU or you're a current student, you know, I encourage you to reach out to Nelson, reach out to me. I'll have Nelson include my contact information in the, the description here. But just shoot me an email if you if you want to get anything started on campus. I, I know people that can get stuff started. Nelson gets stuff started. You know, um, we have the resources for it. We just need the students with the energy to do it. So, like, there's so many ideas, and SIU has an abundance of resources at its disposal. And the most important resource, in my opinion, are the people. Everyone on campus, they care. They want to see students succeed. Right. That's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. On a fundamental level, right? The teachers want to see their students do well, and I think you know you get into this sort of loop as a professor where you know, maybe you're not seeing students pay off, you know, and you're investing all this time and energy into students, and you know when you finally get a student that's very excited and passionate about something, I think that's very transformative not only for the student but for the professor that can like rally behind that student, right? Um, I remember, you know, I, I needed a little extra money for one of our competitions. Um, and I, I, our fundraising wasn't, you know, coming through, so I had to go to the chancellor at the time. It was Carlo Montemagno. Um, unfortunately, he passed away while he was chancellor. Um, but he, you know, was one of the, the most encouraging people for me with the rocket team. You know, he was like, well, well we're going to competition in the first semester, right? Like, I am not nearly ready enough to go to competition in the first semester. But he was like, no, 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 I think you will be. And, you know, through that encouragement and through that passion he had for not only his students, but for, you know, the campus as a whole and wanting to see things develop and get better, he was able to um, sort of guide me in a way that not many other people would be able to. So in addition to Dr. Garvey and the Chancellor, was there any other professors heavily involved with Rocketeers or someone you saw on campus that showed the care? Yeah, I think in the, those two guys were definitely a big part of it. I would say Dr. Gary Kinzel. He's the current um, undergraduate, uh, what is he? Vice Chancellor. Chancellor for Research, yes. Um, he was also very important because uh, he sort of like did our chemical advisory. Uh, we, we started making our own rocket fuel and mixing our own fuel as well. So that was something that obviously is not the... Uh, not incredibly safe, um, but, you know, you can take measures to ensure that it is safe. But, um, you know, that, that's a big risk for the teachers or the professors to assume. So, you know, we're very, very glad and very happy they were able to do that with us. Um, but, yeah, I would say those are the main professors. Like I said, there were really no aerospace professors, so we are kind of on our own. I mean, there were some names that come to mind with, within the SIU Foundation, Matthew McCoy, who runs stuff over there. He was very helpful in getting, you know, our Saluki funders started up. Um, he's been helpful raising money. He's been helping ra helpful raising awareness as well. Uh, Vanessa Sneed comes to mind. She was the former director of alumni relations. She you know, helped us expand our network and reach out to these alumni who are in relevant industries um, about raising money and all of this. So I'd say those are the, the main contributors. Most definitely, I agree. Like Matthew McCoy, he's been a big help for the Green Roof Project, getting our Suki Funder up and helping us make connections. Yeah. Then additionally, several different faculty through the University Innovation Fellows Program. Yep. So we have different directors and deans part of this program that helps students like ourselves be able to actuate and execute projects on campus. Mm -hmm. And I know Adam has been a fellow in the past years. Yes. Yep. 
So yeah, I would be remiss if I did not mention the University Innovation Fellows Program. Um, I think that's a huge part of you know why I'm at where I'm at today. Um, they said it was one of the most interesting things on my resume. Uh, you know, we talked about that for a while uh, in the interviews and all of that. But um, yeah, it's a fantastic program. Uh, it's run through Stanford University, uh, and um, it's it's a focus on inspiring innovation on these like mid-major college levels that don't have the resources of a Stanford or of you know Notre Dame or anything like that. Um, but you know, obviously, innovation is still important. Uh, and I guess, you know, we could, we could dive into, you know, sort of what I did for my project at UIF um, and how I enjoyed my experience there. Um, one of the in initial things you do in your training is you have to go around and interview, I think it's like 50 some students um, and sort of get their opinion on, you know, what's working well for them on campus, what isn't working well, um, what they want to see improved, is there anything they uh, are struggling with on campus, and just kind of get their, their feel for the campus. Uh, obviously, you know, it's geared more towards the benefit of the university it's not you know really aimed at inspiring any sort of like technological advancement directly but rather to the benefit of the university um so in that regard you know we went out and we talked to 50 students um i think about six or seven of those were international students um but all seven of those international students pretty much had the same answers they all saw the same problems on campus they all had the same worries they were all saying they weren't meeting as many u.s students as they wanted to um, and they weren't enjoying Carbondale. You know, one of them had said that he, uh, he was from Morocco, and he said that uh, when, he, when he saw he was coming to Illinois and the, the city that he was coming to started with a C, he assumed it was Chicago. Uh, and if you've ever been to Carbondale, Illinois, it is most certainly not Chicago. <laughs> um, um, so the, these international students were coming, they weren't enjoying their time, and, you know, that just seemed very off to me, so... Um, I did everything that I could to sort of give them a better opportunity. I realized, you know, I was going on all of these hikes on the weekends. Um, and that's sort of the beauty of Carbondale, right? It, it's not the city. The city itself is very nice, right? There's a lot of good businesses and everything. Um, but at the end of the day, the real beauty of Carbondale lies in what's around it. You know, it's the Shawnee National Forest. It's the Cypress Swamps. It's, you know, Garden of the Gods. It's all these beautiful areas right around campus that you can't really get to if you don't have a car. Um, and these international students, they come over, they don't have driver's licenses. Uh, so many of them just go where the buses go. And the buses don't go out into nature. They go to the mall, they go to Walmart, you know, they go to the movie theater. Like, that's pretty much it. So, you know, it's easy to understand why these, these students weren't enjoying their time, at least in that regard. Um, so, you know, I partnered with Emma Johns, who is now in med school, I believe, uh, at SIU. Um, she'll be in the Springfield campus this fall. Um, but she and I, you know, sort of had the same idea and same passion about she had studied abroad. I had not studied abroad, but, you know, I still had found this passion inside of myself to, to better the experience of others through like deep connections with nature. Right. Um, so we started working together to leverage the, um, the Center for English as a Second Language and their resources to start providing more for our international students. And one of the interesting things about SIU is that we have a ton of Fulbright scholars. And the Fulbright scholarship is this world-renowned scholarship. It's only given to like, gosh, like three, it depends on the, the size of the country, but I know that like, you know, Honduras only gets two people to send on Fulbright scholarships per year to the United States to do, to do graduate school in some form of linguistics. Um, and SIU is like among the nation's leaders in Fulbright scholars. So we have some of the smartest people from all over the world coming to SIU and not enjoying their time. 
Um, and that just, that just didn't sit right with me. Um, so, you know, I realized I was going on all these hikes. I realized, you know, every weekend I was going outside and I just had empty space in my car. So, um, we started leveraging the international coffee hour, which was this, uh, after school thing on Fridays at like, I think it was three to six. It usually ran, um, and international students would gather there and we would go there and, um, it was, it was marketed, like I said, as an international coffee hour. So, you know, one of the reasons we didn't really see a whole lot of U.S. student involvement was that, you know, from the U.S. students we talked to, many of them just assumed it wasn't for U.S. students as well. Um, so, you know, we, we sort of like fixed that marketing. In addition, we went to these uh, coffee hours and we sort of broadcasted that, hey, you know, we want to help you guys have a great experience here. Uh, if you're interested in going hiking or anything like that, please let us know. We'd love to take you outside. Um, and it was, it was a fantastic experience. One of the most rewarding things I did in college, even more so than the rocket team was seeing the opinions of these people transform over like the span of a couple weeks. Like, you know, there, there were people from that went from saying, Oh, I, I really hate Carbondale, like this visceral response to it, to, you know, crying that they had to leave within a matter of like two weeks, just because of, you know, the care we had shown them, we had brought them into our friend groups. They had met us students. They've been our own nature. Um, They've experienced like the restorative power that nature holds, especially in the Carbondale area. Um, and I, I think that's a very powerful experience that I'm very glad I was able to be a part of. And I wouldn't have been if not for the UIF program. That's incredible. <clears throat> I know coming from Chicago, being around nature and just seeing campus filled with trees, that's what brought me to Carbondale and made me interested. Mm -hmm. I know for international students being able to go out, um, I know I have quite a few in anytime we go hiking or running out on the trails out in Tunnel Hill, it's always an amazing time because being around nature, there's that innate instinct and connection we have to it that mm -hmm. just makes us feel happier. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, that's a, that's an interesting subject too, the, the restorative power of nature. Um, I think it's something we could easily spend an entire podcast <laughs> talking about. But uh, no, I, I think there's something to that. You know, we're hardwired to enjoy nature. You know, everybody... Even if you don't like hiking, you know, maybe you like gardening, maybe you don't like gardening, but you like hunting, you like fishing, you know, there's something literally for everybody out in nature. Um, and we're sort of hardwired to enjoy it. So, you know, getting outside of the city limits and getting into nature is just uh, is a transformational thing for people. So you mentioned Carmino has quite a few hiking spots. How's the hiking out around DC on the East Coast? Oh, it's fantastic, Nelson. Um, uh, you went to Old Rag, as I'm sure uh, you remember. Um, but there's, there's tons of hikes. The Appalachian Trail is about an hour and a half away. The Shenandoah National Park is right there. Um, George Washington National Forest. Um, Harper's Ferry, just some of the great hikes around here. Uh, I've been trying to get out pretty much every weekend to go, you know, explore some new area or, you know, try something new outside in nature. Um, I've recently joined the Virginia Master Naturalists. Um, that's a program that is aimed at uh, inspiring environmentalism on a local level. So you learn a lot about the local ecological history. So we're learning about how the Appalachian Mountains formed, you know, how various species of birds and mammals and reptiles came to live here and all of this. Uh, and there's a, especially a focus on outreach involved with that. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that, you know, I'm pretty good at is connecting with people and getting them excited about things, especially things out in nature, right? Because it's just so fundamental to who we are as people uh, that we need to be outside. Um, so I think it, that's, it's relatively easy to get people excited about that. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's a great program and, you know, while it doesn't relate at all to what I'm doing 
uh, as a um, engineer right now, it is uh, it is a great experience and a great learning opportunity. Most definitely, they go about teaching design thinking and how to go about solving human design problems. Mm -hmm. So focusing still on UIF and inspiration, mm -hmm. Duan, talk a bit about the trip to Austria that we were actually on together and how inspiration is not only with us, but it was coming from students across different states from different countries and us coming together was an, I'd say an inspirational moment that we'll remember for a long, long time. Right, yeah. So, like Nelson said, we uh, we took this. We were lucky enough to get it in before COVID, by about about a month. Um, but we took this trip out to Austria to to uh, learn about leadership and entrepreneurship on a global scale um, through the UIF program. Um, it was hosted uh, at this beautiful university in Salzburg. Um, absolutely incredible experience, once in a lifetime opportunity for sure. Um, and yeah, like Nelson was saying, you know, there was a focus on a lot of like urban development and that sort of stuff, um, which, you know, isn't insanely relevant to either of our areas of study. Um, but, you know, just being around so many, you know, young entrepreneurs and young design thinkers uh, was a really enlightening experience. Um, we got to hear about the projects everybody was doing, and they spanned such a wide array from design thinking workshops to, you know, stuff like the green roof. Um, to you know improving international students experience to starting people's own companies you know everybody from all over the world was doing something a little different um and it sort of showed like the global impact that you know programs like uif can have and you know it, it was very incredibly inspiring to me to see you know not only were we doing this at carbondale but this same program was also taking place all around the world with you know thousands of different students from all sorts of different backgrounds and everybody was getting something a little different out of it so and everyone at the meetup brought their own personality, their own experiences, and it was one large mountain pot, and I know you took away quite a bit. Exactly, yeah, we, we definitely made the most of that experience. So, mentioning Green Roof, Adam, would you like to talk a bit about what you know about the project and the impact we were making in Carbondale? Right, yeah, so, so like we said in the intro, right, like everything is going to fundamentally come down to an energy problem. Um, our CEO, the company I work at, is very big on identifying the key markets that are going to be popular in the next few years. Um, he thinks, you know, the number one market that is going to arise in the next 10 to 20 years is going to be energy. Um, because, like I said, everything fundamentally comes down to an energy problem. The second market that he said is going to be massive is space, and the third is biology. Um, you know, we've done so much with gene mapping and all of this that, uh, you know, it's going to be an immensely huge field, um, as with space as well, with cheap access to space and all of this. Um, but relating it back to the Green Roof team, I think it's incredible that we're getting students' hands-on experience in the fields that are going to be relevant, right? Um, we're, you know, solar's not going to go away. Wind's not going to go away. They're going to get bigger. They're going to be invested in heavily. We've seen incredible amounts of money go into these these areas and getting students experience with that is going to be very formative and transformative for them um as i'm sure it is for you too nelson to see you know a team come together behind a common cause and you know work towards this common goal of making siu a greener place um both you know metaphorically and literally through growing stuff on the green roof most definitely and i know from my perspective Bringing the team together, that was one accomplishment on its own, having like-minded individuals come together, build a common vision, and executing it, and finding the results at the end of it. 
I know you visited Carbondale not too long ago, and you actually got to see the wind turbines. Yeah. You want to tell us about your reaction seeing the vertical axis spin? Right, yeah, it was it was very interesting, right? Because, you know, I hear about all this stuff from Nelson, and I see it on Instagram, and I see it on Facebook, and, you know, the, you're like a level removed there, though. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really seem real. It's like, oh, okay, you know, that's going on. Um, but, you know, being at SIU... You know, seeing the green roof, I had walked by that place so many times, and I had seen all the dead plants that were just sitting there, like, soaking up sun and, you know, not doing anything, and it just was such an eyesore. And now, you know, there's this big, beautiful banner that says green roof on it. You can see the bright red wind turbine. Um, it's an incredible, incredible thing you got going on there, Nelson. Thank you, and I know this upcoming year we have much more planned ahead from more wind turbines on different buildings to solar insulation that's going to be grid tied so we can help offset the energy usage and just overall more innovation more impact and hoping it becomes sustainable so future years more students can become involved and gain experiences in the future fields right okay so that's something that i'd want to hear from you a little bit about so what are you doing because you're going to be a senior next year right yes I what am. are you doing to sort of encourage the next generation to step up and take charge of the green so the plan of action we have set forth right now is recruiting early in the fall. So having social media presence up, but also going in person to different classrooms, especially freshmen and sophomores who are coming new to Carbondale, who may not know which field they're in. So we're not just focused on engineering students, but we'll go out to the geography and environmental resources college, find their students, find even students in the communication sides and the humanities who may be interested because there's so many different perspectives you can dive into. For example, marketing can focus on the marketing of it from the business perspective. Students majoring in sustainability can focus on the feasibility of it and the impact of it on a social level. There's so many different routes you can go with tackling a project that is so interdisciplinary like rocket, like renewable energy. And then once we have a good sized team build up this coming year, we're working right now with a campus unit right now and finding a way to integrate the team into their department so their coordinator who's a full-time staff person can have a good oversight over them while keeping it in not one specific college but keeping it in the campus which then opens up the ability for all students to go forth like Adam, how you mentioned having international coffee hour focuses and markets directly to international students without it truly being a international. It's just how the wording is. Mm -hmm. So focusing on the campus level instead of a department or major, hopefully we'll keep it much broader and more open. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the transition of leadership? Is that something you're worried about? Is there somebody you have on deck, you know, an ace up your sleeve or something? Or uh, how do you envision that going? Are you going to hand the reins to a junior that's going to be a senior next year? Or are you, you know, passing this off to a sophomore or a freshman? What do you, what do you think about that? So the transition of leadership, I know for every RSO on campus, every student group is crucial. Right. If you have a poor leader coming up the following year, the organization can easily take a nosedive and become inactive for a few years, and we've seen that in recent years, actually. But we've also seen organizations come back up from the dead and become active once again. Mm -hmm. So our plan right now is 
Unfortunately, we cannot look for one specific student at the moment. Right. Because out of the 25 students involved, about seven of them do not attend SIU. So that limits us to about 18, and then about 16 are either seniors or graduate students. <laughs> wow. So, so we have a small pool to pick from. So one concept we're working with is, since we know UIF is strong and it's powerful, and we've made connections not only in Carmondale and with the schools where we have students attending and collaborating with, but we have connections in other schools. We're working on a concept where the students who are in there now and graduating will come back as mentors and help the future students with the projects. So we're not completely transitioning leadership, but instead moving into that coaching role and ensuring that they're developing on their own as leaders and as the technical experts that they're soon to become. And essentially have this model where we begin spreading knowledge in future years and the ideas are continuing. So we're building off multiple projects instead of having a new project every year. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Interesting. How do you think you came to that conclusion? Was that just looking at, you know, what worked with RSOs and what didn't? Or was that, you know, walk me through that, that thinking process there. Most definitely it's what you just said on we looked at past RSOs, what works, what do not work. Mm -hmm. We all know that leadership is difficult and it can be at times if you're not properly trained and you don't have the right mentors there to help guide you. Right. And I'm sure you have mentors that you look for when you're building a rocket team, right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, finding outside help is definitely, definitely a key thing. Um, and, and a lot of this stuff, you know, like you said, won't, is it possible without, you know, full-time mentors and things like that? People who are willing to step out of their way and, you know, take some time out of their day to help you out and help you along the way. Um, so I, I think fundamentally, like, you know, you can do all the preparation you want, but at the end of the day, it's like almost up to a level of chance, right? Like you're kind of banking on somebody being as inspired as you are to sort of take over. Um, and I, I think we're in a good spot with the Rocket team. You know, we, we've got some good leadership there. Um, but, you know, I'm sure you're in a similar area with the Green Group team. But at the, at the end of the day, you know, who's to say, you know, three, four or five years down the line, if, you know, Maybe nobody's just interested in that anymore. Or maybe, you know, it slides away. Um, I think the value in these sort of activities are getting the most out for the current members. While also, you know, keeping a focus and trying to, you know, increase longevity. But I think you know, the primary focus should be getting experience for the students that are currently in it. Because, you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to be there next year. Right? Most definitely there's no guarantee. And that's just how, in my opinion, sustainability works. You can plan as much as you can, as you mentioned, but at the end of the day, it's, it comes down to execution and desire. Right. And that is another amazing episode of the Young Entrepreneurs with our special guest, Adam Vogel, an SIU alumni and founder of the Rocketeers of Southern Illinois. But before we go, Adam has a pitch on if you're a current student or a prospective student, why you should join the Rocketeers of Southern Illinois. Yeah, so, I mean, fundamentally, who doesn't love things that fly and go fast, right? You know, that's an innate, you know, you know, curiosity for me. Um, and maybe I'm alone in that regard, but I don't think I am. Um, so if you're a student, if you're a freshman, if you're a sophomore, if you're a junior or a senior, 
um, if you are at all interested in anything to do with aerospace. I would you know, recommend reaching out to either myself, my contact information will be in the description of this, or the current president of the rocket team, Pedro de Oliveira, uh, who will also put it in the description of this. Um, you know, he, he's taking up the leadership for this next year. He'll be a senior. So, you know, if you're a long, if you're a young student looking to get some experience in leadership, uh, this is a perfect time for you to come out. Uh, perfect time for you to meet Pedro to get your hands on and some uh, some intense leadership of a multidisciplinary team. You know, we do a lot of stuff. We we have a one main competition every year called the Argonia Cup. Uh, that's limit. That's uh, focused on recovery, right? So we have to get our rocket up to about eight thousand feet at least. Um, and then return a golf ball to a specific location on the ground. Um, so what we've done in the past is my senior design project actually was an autonomous drone um, that was released from the rocket at its apogee and then would go and circle, you know, the target spot on the ground um, and then come in for a nice clean landing. Uh, and unfortunately, we weren't able to prove that it worked because of COVID canceling everything. But uh, we all know it would have worked, right? <laughs> um, but if, if, you know, if any of this sounds interesting to you, reach out to me, reach out to Pedro. We'd love to help you out. Um, you know, I love getting students involved in stuff like this. And if there's ever anything I can do you know, professionally for any of you, uh, just please feel free to reach out. I'm a resource at your disposal. And I want to mention one more time, the one big takeaway we would like to have from this episode is SIU Carbondale is an amazing university with all the resources for you, for students to be able to do what you'd like, to show your passions and experience it all in one place, one amazing area, Southern Illinois. Oh yeah. <laughs> and with that, we conclude our episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Roof Team. Special thanks to your sponsors, the SIU Research Park, Energy at SIU, SIU Sustainability Office's Green Fund Grant, the University Innovation Fellows, CH Electrical, Entertech, RAS Coatings, AES Solar, Sprague Supply Group, H&F Visions, Silvix Forestry and Nursery, Nether Chance Studios, Climate Economy Action Network, and many more. And please visit our website for more information and follow us on social media. Stay sustainable, folks.